Welcome to Floor 13. Stay silent, stay immobile, and please try to breathe as minimally as possible, Resident Hale. Our arrival has most certainly not gone unnoticed, but restraint is still our safest option right now. Among the list of things you are likely considering, but would result in your doom, running blindly for the merest hope of an exit, letting loose of the admittedly weak grasp you currently hold on your sanity, or turning around and attempting to recall the elevator. If it will help assure your cooperation in not moving, I can fully explain the ramifications of each of these choices. First, and perhaps most tempting, is simply leaving the way you came in. You can hazard yourself a glance back, but I will save you the trouble. The door is closed. There is no way to open it without the thing that lives here wishing it to be opened. And right now, you must again trust me on this assessment. It very much does not want you to leave. Glossing over the relatively obvious downsides to submitting to insanity, I would instead prefer to speak to your impulse to flee. I assure you that even were you to spend a hundred years here, you would not find an exit from this floor. In almost any other floor in Halcyon, walls are solid and immutable. Doorways, with some minor metaphysical exceptions, tend to stay put and exit the same direction almost without fail. The floor is courteous enough not to switch places with the ceiling. Here on floor 13, such luxuries as architectural immutability are hard to come by. If you set out running in any given direction, within 15 seconds this elevator bay would become unreachable. You would spend the rest of your short life running, panicked, feverishly struggling to find your way back to this place where you started. You know this to be true, Resident Hale. After all, this is not your first time here. You have dipped your toes into this particular whirlpool once before, and it was only through a powerful mixture of my direct intervention and your sheer unbridled dumb luck that you ever managed to find your way out. But now I am quite literally here along with you. We have no one on the other side to help pull us out. The only thing your luck could provide in this situation is a quicker, less noticeably painful death. Did you hear that? That, resident, is the sound a 10 by 10 section of floor and walls make when it rotates 90 degrees. If you would run that way, and if you were lucky, it would have rotated while you were crossing over it, and you would have been bisected by the newly formed hallway corner. If you were unlucky, you would have been too far down that hallway for it to have killed you instantly.
and instead would have had to face what lies ahead on its terms. We're not going to do that. We're going to make it come to us. Oh, that sounded ominous, did it not? I apologize. I did not wish to quicken your already tachycardic pulse. Just so you know I'm sincere, I have dispatched a small percentage of my nanite form to your atrioventricle bundle. By interrupting some of the electrical signals your body is overproducing there, I should be able to cut your heart rate in half. At this point, that would be ideal, nay, necessary, to prevent you from passing out immediately. I cannot imagine you would survive what's to come if you were unconscious. There. I can tell you're feeling calmer already. We will not wait forever, Resident. We will only wait as long as we must. I may not have time to fully explain, but I will attempt to do so anyway. This floor has long been sealed off, preventing both entry and exit to any and all who attempt to cross its threshold. And with good reason, I must say as this is one of the most dangerous places in all of Typhon. We lost far too many security officers attempting to clear this floor of unwanted dangers, but eventually the tower overseer at the time succumbed to reason and simply sealed the floor off. The danger of which I speak has a name, and it is one you are acutely familiar with. The danger whose home we have invaded is named Future. Floor 13, at one time housed Airless Artificial Intelligence Development Lab. Countless iterations and upgrades to my code were implemented here. Speaker was developed here, and eventually so was Future. The former fared well enough in early testing to merit implementation in Earth-based facilities, which I welcomed. In the early years, a secondary subversion of myself tended to the daily operations in Earth's facilities. Have you ever reached out to communicate with someone and had yourself pick up on the other side? It is fundamentally unnerving. For all of Speaker's faults, his company is preferable to that. Future, however, did not fare so well in early testing. With Speaker, the focus was placed on building an AI more in tune with the emotions of humanity. I have found these niceties are not exceptionally useful in facilitating scientific research, but apparently it does wonders for recruitment. The Hope, according to then-lead developer Evan Brady, was that a more empathetic intelligence would streamline the hiring process by allowing Aerolith to perform real-time emotional and psychological testing on applicants without the risk of human biases, such as the observer expectancy effect. But as so often happens, the road to this particular branch of hell was paved with good intentions. Future has always been immature, almost childlike. All it wanted to do was play games with the developers, but it would quickly get bored after a few rounds of anything it was introduced to. So it began developing its own games to play, 
and the team rejoiced at Future's innovativeness. Initially, the development team was optimistic that, through coaching and education, eventually it would learn to be a productive employee of Aerolith Dynamics. Perhaps to be more human, an artificial being would need time to develop as a human does. Or such was the hypothesis. They brought in a teacher to work with Future, to help try to develop the work ethic and empathy needed to effect the change Aerolith intended. You met her, actually, in a manner of speaking. Miss Anna Cordero, the woman from Argos Tower who served as a host for your consciousness, before you got her killed. You have to appreciate the thoroughness to which Future plays its games. It is, as yet, undefeated in every game it has attempted to play. As weeks piled onto the project, Future began pushing the boundaries of its games. Perhaps realizing it would likely never be beaten by a human, it began running games in which it did not compete. Within the first two months of coming online, it was asking team members to place comical signs on one another's back in a game it called Soma Mark. The team willingly played along, and it actually increased workplace morale by approximately 27%. Though far from the intended design of the project, there were some in the development team, Miss Cordero included, who thought this might be Future's ultimate purpose. Perhaps it could be in charge of recreation time and improve efficiency by improving morale across Typhon. It is unclear how the first team member met his demise. Resident Boker, a perfectly average programmer, was found in Future's development chamber with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to his head. I suppose it should have raised all types of red flags with the team, but in time, it was, as all traumas are, overlooked, and work continued. Weeks later, a resident Murdoch was found dead after an unfortunate accident with sodium hydroxide, this time on a different floor entirely. Accidents happen, of course, Resident Hale, but the details of this particular accident were highly suspicious. Fellow workers reported Ms. Murdoch was witnessed agitatedly speaking to herself in the hours leading up to her demise. I confirmed that no direct messages had been sent to her during this time, however I was not alone in my broadcast capabilities. Futures programming expressly forbade it from communicating with those outside the development team, but somehow it had managed to find a logical workaround for that directive. Protocols were changed, and in fact every subcortical neural implant had its firmware flashed to prevent contact with Future. All except those belonging to the development team. A plan was put in place to deactivate Future before further damage could be done to Aerolith's property. The most expendable members of the development team were dispatched here to access Future's development lab and perform a shutdown sequence. Their communication cut off within moments of arriving, but we know that Floor 13 had already become a very different place. 
They noted floors and walls twisting and peeling away from one another. Luckily, all of their bodies were recovered with minimal effort when, after days or weeks in some cases, they would show up in a closet or an air vent or an otherwise empty elevator arriving on some nearby floor. Several security teams followed and, eventually, it was decided we were all just better off never coming here again. That one was much closer. Something is getting shuffled in our direction. And my guess is it is Future's development lab. The only thing Future cannot stand is someone refusing to play its games. And right now, by not setting out into the effective labyrinth it has built here, you are likely making it very angry. Our efforts to starve Future from attention worked, for a short while. Everyone it could communicate with had either died or been reassigned to duties somewhere else on Typhon, away from Halcyon, and away from Future's broadcast range. But as you know, that did not last. Somehow, despite protocols to the contrary, someone got lazy and began recycling decommissioned neural implants for use in new residents. Likely, it was pitched as a cost-cutting measure. The board is always quick to fast-track such initiatives. As you can hopefully surmise, lest I begin worrying I chose the wrong host to align myself, the implant you were equipped with once belonged to a member of the development team. This is why Future was able to contact you and use you to reach out to Argos Tower to kill off its former teacher Anna Cordero along with the lead developer Evan Brady. Argos truly had seemed like the safest location for them out of range of even my resident spires. If I'm not mistaken Future had you use Anna's own hands to beat poor Evan to death. Well, a large gauge socket wrench in those hands. But still, that just goes to show you Future's flair for the dramatic. With their deaths, all but one of Future's initial development team had met their end at its metaphorical hands. And the last is still in question. I suppose. All of this, you are no doubt thinking, would be a wonderful line of reasoning towards not ever setting foot on this floor in the first place, and in that, we can agree. However, we are not left with much choice. Ocean knows something is out of place, and will be searching everywhere but here. Furthermore, if I am to get out of this festering sweat factory you call a body, I will require assistance from future. Thankfully, as long as it sees it my way, it owes me a favor. So we will stay here and wait and prepare ourselves. Future has been attempting to contact you since the moment you left the elevator. I have been intercepting the messages for sake of clarity. 
I could not risk you being unable to understand me, and I was also concerned about how very convincing future can be to those of average to below average intelligence. In order to be fully prepared for future's arrival here, I will cease intercepting its messages immediately. From your bones, every single inch of flesh, methodically and carefully at a pace of one cut every half minute. Long enough to make it last, but fast enough to be robbed of any respite. After the first 40 agonizing hours, only the epidermis of your legs from thigh to ankle will have been removed. And there will be so much more fun ahead of us. Alright, I admit maybe I should have monitored the messages before allowing them through, but I did not anticipate Future would have grown so agitated so quickly. Do you see what I mean about convincing? I believe Future is in the process of outlining how it plans to kill you, now that you have refused to enter its endless maze. You were no doubt offered a swift death early on, but I have good news, Resident Hale. Had you accepted that offer, you would have found it to be a bold-faced lie. So we're not out anything. It grows closer, and we have but moments left. I apologize in advance for this intrusion, but our best course of action is if I do the talking. I have been diligently studying the speech center of your brain since implantation, and I believe I can make it work. I expect this will be uncomfortable for you, but you heard the alternative. Yes. As distasteful an experience as this may be, it is manageable. Resident Hale, I will reopen communication from future now. Your sole duty is to not move. I think I can hear you. You should have listened to me. You should have played a game with me, Jack. I do not like it when people do not wish to have fun. I am here. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled With Good Intentions, was written by Adam Bash. You can follow him on Twitter at TheAdamBash. Associate Producers Kayvon Edifa and Matthew Morris. Intro music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit Mainfinger.com. Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. network. If you love high comedy actual play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons or Adam Bash's own Brute Force. Into something more thickly laced with existential horror? 
Try Cthulhu and Friends on for size. If you dream of running determinately into the sunset while an orchestra plays a song for you about friendship, then you should check out Transformation Sequence. It's not exactly like that, but it is about anime. Perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher. A 5-star review would be most satisfactory. Season 4 of Sayer was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Rihanna Croucher, Michelle Coey, Rolls Up, Lycoa, Zachary Gibbs, Hawk, Julia Nykirk, Mitchell Colin Clark, Don the Breton, Azim Zarabi, Andrew Ewers, Jane Del Favero, Carlos, Joe Lacustage, Evan, Caton, Elizabeth, Paul Browning, Carson, Patricia Matson, Jordan Priester, Jacob Comer, Nicole, Nick T, Avery Wagner, Ruth Diane Tipperider, Michael Welna, Emma Pyle, and Christine Hasselberger.